Welcome to the Military Bottom Line Podcast, where we help you make the most out of your military contract. Today on the show, I have Allie Thompson. Find out what happened to her when the recruiter ended up giving her a six-year contract instead of the agreed-upon four-year contract. What ultimately came of this and how this led to her obtaining over three degrees entirely paid for by the military. Good afternoon, Allie. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I want to kind of hear a little bit about your backgrounds and where you grew up and what made you decide to join the Air Force. All right, originally West Coast raised, Seattleite, right here, uh, known for Bigfoot, evergreen trees, and tons of rain. That's pretty much me. Yeah. Um, moved to Colorado when I was twenty. I think I had just turned twenty. Um, applied to Colorado State and my full plan, um, total transparency, transparency, full plan was to go to Colorado State for four years. Got down there, didn't know, probably didn't know the difference between any branch of the military, didn't even know the Coast Guard was a thing, Yeah. and went to the state where the Air Force Academy is. Didn't know that. So lots of ROTC and different uniformed members and so many different categories, I can't even name them, I would see around my campus. Hmm. And it was probably one semester in that one of my neighbor friends, it was friend of a friend, not really sure, but she was like, nope, I'm actually not gonna be at Colorado State next semester, I'm joining the Air Force. And I was like, the Air Force? What about the Air Force? (laughs) I want to say, that the very next week, because we were approaching the end of the semester, I thought, you know, she said that the Air Force was gonna pay for her school. That doesn't seem like a bad idea. Mm. And I'm thinking, all right, I can travel, I can get my school paid for. Didn't put two and two together that like the Air Force would be a job. Still totally naive. (laughs) Yeah. So so naive, had no idea. Walked to the recruiter's office and just asked general questions. I was like, I don't even know what the Air Force is couldn't tell you anything about rank. I didn't really know what rank was Hmm. and like what an insignia was. I knew, I knew nothing. I just assumed that all military was like army or Marines. I was like, that's it. They just, that's what they do. Interesting. But after learning what the details were as far as like how you pick a job, what you have to do, you go through basic and then you go to a tech school and then learning the different branches, call it something different, like A schools or, you know, whatever their next training would be. Um, almost had the recruiter had to really dumb it down for me. And I walked away and I was like, all right, I think I think I could do this for four years and out. Hmm. And on a whim, called my, I guess, boyfriend at the time, who was in the Coast Guard. I said, hey, what do you think of me joining the Air Force? And he goes, well, why not the Coast Guard? I said, well, I like airplanes. And that was, <laughs> that was the afterthought of me talking to the Air Force recruiter that I actually really did have a secret aviation passion that I was huh. just, I think it was more a passion stemmed from curiosity. I just, I wanted to know how airplanes got in the air. I thought gotcha. they were cool. I was always into welding. And it, all of those just little things that I never thought could encompass doing something in the military all came together. And the next recruiting session that I had, there was a girl doing, it's called the RAP program, 
which is Recruiter Assistance Program. So it's actually mm -hmm. RAP. Now that program, you after tech school, you come back for two weeks and you assist your recruiter and you do like whatever tasks they want, but it's also an opportunity for you to see your family for two weeks before you leave again. And she was there and briefly had, again, didn't even know that you had different jobs in the Air Force. So when he said, what job do you want? Said, what jobs can I have? What's available to me? My ASVAB score wasn't special, but it was high enough that I had a very lengthy list of you know options for me. Sure. And I believe that girl who was probably, and maybe I don't even know if she was an A1C or not because I didn't I didn't know I didn't even look at her rank. Mm -hmm. But she said, "Well, you should pick life support. I mean, you get to pack parachutes and stuff." That was the only job I did research on. I was mm -hmm. tunnel vision through this whole process. I said, "Yep, that sounds great. Yep, that sounds great." Wow. And before I knew it, I was in basic. No kidding. Yeah. So you were pretty blind. Like you just kind of threw <laughs> a dart at a board with your eyes closed. It did. No kidding. And uh, so you, your job was life support. Is that what it's called? Life support. Yes. What all does but that encompass? The life support merged with survival equipment. They were two AFSCs, which is the specific job that you can have. And the two jobs merged to aircrew flight equipment. Hmm. So we went from being kind of maintenance and operations side to like a weird quasi medical portion. And they just said, nope, we're taking all of these career, field, career fields, we're making them one, and it's gonna be aircrew flight equipment. And you guys are gonna be in operations because you need to tailor all of your equipment to the pilots. Hmm. That was our journey. So that means all of the equipment that the pilots wear or use on the aircraft. And this, this goes as low as like their flight suit. Part of our training is actually saying like, this is a flight suit. This is what you wear when you fly. Hmm. So your parachutes, your oxygen equipment, your flotation devices, everything in between that the air crew, I should say air crew all the way, because this is pilots, boom operators, um, and even flight docks all go through our AFE shop to get fitted for their helmets, their oxygen masks. Every airframe is different. Mm -hmm. So while my current airframe does not have parachutes, I still had to get qualified. Gotcha. And the job means learning how to sew, learning, <laughs> learning what being hypoxic actually means. So we had the opportunity to actually go to the altitude chamber as just ground crew hmm. so that we could very, very easily communicate with the air crew and say, no, I've done this. This is what I did. I'm, we basically become the SMEs on our equipment so that we can teach the air crew how to use their equipment. Become the what? SMEs? The SMEs. I've never heard that. What is, what is that? Oh my goodness. It's basically an expert in your field. Oh, interesting. I've never heard that, that phrase before. Noted. Secret language. Okay. Um, and so you did that for four, four years was your, your contract? My, so what I didn't know is my recruiter actually had, I guess, presented a contract to big air force that said I was doing six years. Oh. That is not what I signed up for. I signed up for four and that's how it was communicated to me. And down the line, I found out that that was actually six. Wow. That would, uh, that would be frustrating. <laughs> That would make things a little bit complicated. Yeah. 
Okay. So how did that play out? I ended up doing exactly 15 months active duty, which huh. did take me, that was kind of my entry into the Air Force is um, I went to Wichita Falls. Well, actually, no, let me back up. Everybody goes to San Antonio for basic training. That was boot camp. So there's Air Force boot camp. Then from there, I went to tech school in Wichita Falls, which is roughly a three and a half hour drive from San Antonio. And yes, we bust there. Hmm. And I spent an extra six weeks in Wichita Falls. And then from there, I found out that my contract, basically with the recruiter and any recruiter has to do this, you fill out a million pieces of paper before sure. you start. Yeah. I mean, to the point where, yes, they're kind of explaining it, but they're like, sign here, initial here, and you're going to keep doing this. And you're just like, yeah. Yeah. Even, to... someone, <laughs> even, even someone who had tunnel vision like me, at that point, you just, you're done signing your name and mm -hmm. you just want to put a smiley face. T to read it all, it would take a very long time. So they could sneak things in there if they really want to. <laughs> they, could. they could. And I would never bash any recruiters because their job is actually very stressful. They have to go through a lot of training to do what they do. Mm -hmm. What happened is when they are processing all of your paperwork, everything is basically paper jamming your first, I want to say, year in any branch of the military. Your your records, your medical stuff, everything is paper copy because that's how they have to start it out. Because mm -hmm. if you, you know, if something happens, you're supposed to have your own copy of everything. So he sent a contract that said X, Y, and Z for me. And one of those items was you are going to be in for six years. Hmm. I got a different copy than what big air force got, how it happened to this day. I don't know upon any further incidents that did happen. I just, I requested to not be involved, but when I got to Wichita falls and found all of this out, I went straight to basically my next person in charge. And I said, this isn't right something's wrong and I want to find out what happened from there they actually sent me to Charleston which was my very first active duty base because to be fair they kind of have to keep the system rolling as yeah. smoothly as they can sure. so it's easier, easier for them to say all right we're going to continue moving forward as if none of this happened your contract's correct just so that I wouldn't fall behind because if mm -hmm. it came back and I needed to be there. They didn't want to hold me in Wichita Falls because that would be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, sure. But in the end, because of all my records, I had to go from Charleston back to Wichita Falls before my separation date. Okay. So, so they basically said, oh, yeah, we made a mistake and gave the opportunity to leave right then and there, essentially? I will not say they admitted to mistake. It okay. was more what are you looking to get out of this? And I said, either the contract needs to be honored or just let me out. No strings attached. She said, I, I joined kind of on a whim, but it sort of, it, you can't help but have it become a part of who you are. Even if you only wear the uniform for like half a second, mm -hmm. I just remember in basic when you get your uniform, probably, I don't know, day six, because you're mm -hmm. in civilian clothes your first five days, you put it on and you're like, great, I'm, I'm part of something bigger. This is awesome. Even though you're in boot camp and you still don't know what's up or down. <laughs> they thought that it was more efficient to cut me loose from active duty. Mm. And I had to go back to Wichita Falls for that. So they cut me loose, sent me back to my home of record. 
and it wow. was as if I was never in. Like weird. Nothing. Weird. Okay. Um, wow, that's a little anticlimactic, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, how did you find? Because I know you're you're in the Air National Guard now. Uh, what was the time difference between leaving active duty and joining the guard? Less than a year. Less than it a year. A, close, but it was 11 months. And with such a, <laughs> you know, a background as that with the Air Force, why, why, why did you decide to give it another go? Well, that's a really good question. It goes back to that when I put the uniform on for the first time in basic training. Mm-hmm. I just, I went through basic training, I went through tech school, and I was a fully qualified, well, you, so there's different levels for training. You have your three level, your five level, your seven level, all of those things for each career field. And I was already fully qualified. So I did all of this work, and I put in my 13, 14 months. And when I got out, it was, it was almost like really surreal. Mm. I can't. I can't imagine what it's like to do 20 years and I'll get to that part later, but I couldn't imagine what doing 20 years feels like for somebody who's active duty and they got out to enter the civilian world because I came out of just a very short term. I was like, Whoa, I'm, I'm not seeing the same things. I'm not doing the same things. I'm not hearing the same things. It was just kind of an interesting mm. situation, but I moved to Boston with my we got married in between all of that story. So now husband, gotcha. we moved in together in Boston and he was still Coast Guard doing his career, following all the Coast Guard things because he was still active duty and he still had a full, in, you know, his intent for what he wanted to do was still happening. And I think it came down to, I went only a week without having a job. I got out and I was just, after a week, I said, I have to go find a job. I have to do something. Mm-hmm. And having conversations with people that would come into my now civilian job who were veterans, like, this is, I feel like I missed something. There was, there was something missing for even, even with my tunnel vision and not really sure what I wanted to do. It still felt like something was missing. So I immediately went on and I was like, well, what, what could I do? Could I join like army guard? I actually didn't know that the Air Force had a guard component. Again, mm. I had just been active duty and had zero clue. I thought my only option was active duty or reserve. Yeah. So every every situation's a learning experience. Sure. And I looked I looked into the guard mm-hmm. and I had already signed up for classes at University of New Hampshire before I even knew New Hampshire Guard was a thing. And I thought, all right, well, there's a guard unit right near the school that I'm looking at, why don't I just go talk to a recruiter with a 360 mindset? I mean, walking into this recruiter's office, I had a cold shoulder. I definitely, I went in with the intent, the intent of what I wanted. I was like, nope, this is, and that was the learning experience too, that you, you have to walk in knowing what you want yeah. and tailoring what they're telling you to kind of how you can kind of meet in the middle because you're not going to get everything you want that's just a fact (laughs) yeah you can't really let them kind of over talk what the reality is you kind of just want a very fluid conversation of what you're looking for so I walked in I said you know I was active duty I've been out for 
this would have probably been about 10 months because I didn't actually enlist until a month later. I walked in and he said, you know, we have your career field here and there is an open spot. And I said, can I go check the shop out? Can I talk to the people? And I did, I did my research on this one and I really wanted to get a feel for what putting the uniform on was going to mean to me again. Mm-hmm. And I talked to the shop. Everything seemed more to my time frame. It didn't seem rushed. I didn't yeah. feel like, you know, my month, my, my quick situation, active duty, it just happened so fast. And after seeing what the guard perspective was and seeing that the guard really valued their people and didn't put now mission always comes first. That's yeah, the military. Yeah. But the guard really emphasized that the people do the mission. So you really needed to take care of the people in order to make that mission happen. I thought, mm. Wow. This doesn't seem like a bad gig. Yeah. That would have been now almost six years ago. Six years. How do you feel about it? Pretty pumped, actually. Pretty pumped. <laughs> That's a good answer. Awesome. And and I know it's it served you pretty well. Um, I mean, with like you've been able to take advantage because they they ended up paying for your schooling, right? Instead of you, you, you did not get the the GI Bill. Is that correct? Did not. So okay. as far as benefits go and the schooling. Again, active duty, they rant and rave about the GI Bill post 9-11, that whole kind of, yes, you're going to get your school paid for. Mm -hmm. What they don't tell you is how difficult that really is because of the time you need to put in, the fact that your first couple years, you're still trying to figure out what your job is, active duty. And you're, you're a pawn for active duty. And I think that goes across the board, not just my career field. Mm-hmm. Um, you really have to focus on getting qualified and you're probably not going to be able to take classes your first two years. So sure. for people who join for school and go active duty, I think it's a very tough situation because you kind of need to accept that you can't just join and start school immediately. Yeah. 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 But, um, for the guard, it's different for the guard. You absolute, I mean, this is bare minimum, absolute minimum two weekends or one weekend a month two weeks out of the year, boom, there's your minimum. Yeah. And if you total of what, basically like 36 days a year, essentially, which is like, yeah. Around that. Yes. And as long as you go to a state school, you would get your, your tuition a hundred percent paid for in a state school Mm. that, and if you do deploy, because then you have the opportunity to volunteer for any sort of deployments you then have the ability to get that GI Bill benefit as well. So that's just like an extra schooling on top of it. And there are so many options for different schools and different classes and different ways that you could actually use those schooling benefits. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not going to use them yourself, you're able to, you know, if you do all those deployments and you get that GI Bill, you can transfer that to your family with some, weird new rules now it's always something to look at but yeah yeah so you you were able to use the tuition waiver from the new hampshire guard for i mean how many you've gotten a a number of degrees out of that for completely paid for i think in my almost almost six years it'll be six years this year Mm -hmm. i have had three college degrees paid for by the guard 
by doing my bare minimum and picking up any extra temporary duty assignments and any sort of deployments or training opportunities. And it has been 100% covered except for the fees. Yeah, Another fees and books. Yeah. They won't tell you the extras, you know, if you go to a science-y type school like I did, mm -hmm. um, they're not going to pay your lab fees. So yeah. while I still had to write a decent check, it it wasn't decent compared to how much the guard just sort of Absorbed. covered that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you were able to even get a graduate degree out of it? Is that is that correct? Yes. Now, again, with rules being in limbo all the time, mm -hmm. um, if you sign on with a bonus, whatever career you pick in the guard, if you sign on with a bonus, you have, you almost have a cap to your tuition waiver. And I don't know if that cap means money or if that cap means, nope, you can only get, you know, an undergrad or mm -hmm. you can only get two undergrads. I have only met one other person who did not get a bonus that pursued as much schooling as I did. And he is currently in a PhD program. Hmm. Everybody else that I know who got bonuses, which is actually a majority of people, at least in my career field, who got the bonuses, they had to jump through quite a few hoops if they wanted to get extra schooling. So if they had their undergrad, and they wanted to get like an extra nursing type certificate or something that was still a state school. Yeah. They actually had to get some extra approvals and find out if they were even eligible because technically with your bonus, you got a big chunk of money and then they're also going to try to pay for your school. Interesting. So you, you always want to ask yeah. the same question to a whole lot of people hmm. so that you find that answer so they like they could throw you know what seems like a good deal with a bonus at you but there could be a cost to that that bonus you know so you it's better right. to understand the big picture and what your goals are compared to like oh where's where's the nearest buck you know <laughs> yes and i would say actually going back to your previous question i would say joining and whether you go active duty guard reserve it doesn't matter what branch Joining for just one reason hmm. is not, you're not going to be fulfilled by what you find. Yeah, it's, because a, it's the, a good way to military, be disappointed. Because <laughs> the military is not somewhere for you to really find who you are, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the place where you, you know what your strengths are and it's an, a place where you can excel in those strengths. It's a place mm -hmm. that you can really do something better for yourself without being completely lost. And that it goes right down to education. If you're only joining for education, I mean, the military is going to test your work ethic. Uh -huh. It's going to test your ability to sleep. It's going to test your ability to be in situations or just standing yeah. for 24 hours at a time. Doing things you don't want to do for a long period of time. <laughs> the best part is, is you're never alone. Somebody's yeah. always, I like to say, we're all in the same suck together because sure. you're never by yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Someone's always just as miserable as you. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of another reason that joining the guard was something I wanted to pursue. Again, I, I wanted to give that bad connotation of just what the air force was one more opportunity mm. because it's all perspective. I mean, they always say, if, even if you get a bad unit, it's what you make of it, mm. but it's also what your actual 
perception is of that unit. Because I'm going to be honest, you're going to get poor leadership. You're going to get yeah. bad locations. You're going to be in situations that aren't fun. Sure. But it's That's, not a forever thing. Yeah. That's the second time that uh, on, on the show I've, I've had somebody say that, that, that it's like it's contingent on your attitude. And, and yeah, so I can appreciate that. I think it's true. But so six years in, um, are you, are you done pursuing education or since it's free? Are you like, well, let's just keep going. I mean, what's your thought on that? That's a really great question. (laughs) At some point you got to stop, I suppose, but. Having the flexibility and the option that's there, I can't, I can't really imagine people not taking advantage of the tuition waiver. I very few people I've talked to haven't taken advantage of it because it's kind of, I mean, if someone gives you a free car, you're going to drive it, right? I mean, it's free. And if they're filling it with gas for you, (laughs) you'd be crazy not to Mm. take advantage of that. Or you could go get your own car and fill it with gas Mm -hmm. from your, it's, (laughs) It's kind of, that's my analogy because yeah. you live and everybody's in a different life situation. And some people, I mean, you've got people who join in their late forties. I mm-hmm. think 46 might be the cutoff, but I'll say early forties. You've got people who they look at the tuition waiver and they're like, that's great. I yeah. already have three degrees. I'm here because I want to be in uniform again and I want to work. Those, those are their own category of people though. Mm-hmm. But I would say 80% of my base, people have used the tuition waiver, even if it's just for an associate's or some sort of certificate. Yeah. For me, I have three degrees with the tuition waiver. If the opportunity presents itself and a PhD program would fit into my lifestyle yeah. and actually what I'm passionate about, I wouldn't say no. How about that? I wouldn't say no, Fair. but I am not pursuing it. Pursuing it. Yeah. I think taking a mental break is good. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. When did you finish your last degree? March of this year. Recent. Yeah, congrats. So I'm I'm curious. I mean, with all of you've experienced, like you know, I feel like the good, bad, and the ugly of the, of the military in that sense. Um, would you recommend it after all of this? Absolutely. You would. Okay. Um, what, what, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's like looking into it and considering it so they don't, they don't fall into the same predicament that you were in? Again, ask the same question to a whole lot of people mm. and never try to find fulfillment in just the one thing. Mm. You, I think another big part is they tell you not to volunteer for things in boot camp. I don't know who says that, but I I disagree with it personally. I I do disagree, but that's actually, that has been my path of the military. I've never said no, Mm. (laughs) which might've gotten (laughs) sometimes, Yeah, but I never, I never closed the door on something that would be new because Mm. the best you can say is, Hey, I tried it. Or yes, that was great. Even in the not so good situations, like again, just my whole active duty career, I don't regret joining. I definitely don't regret joining the way that I did. 
I would tell people, ask the same question to a whole lot of people mm. and your perspective is your own. So don't, don't look at how your recruiter is viewing something. You kind of have to see it for yourself mm. and really ask yourself, what steps would you want to take in the military that would set you up for what you want to do in the future? Because nobody's plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan, that's almost a little too far. I would mm-hmm. say really look at the here and now and take the steps that you would want to join right where you're at and just think, do you want schooling from it? Do you, are you just, you're really patriotic, which is awesome. I've, I met a lot of active duty people who that's why they joined. They yeah. just, they love their country. They didn't care about the school or the benefits. They just said, I want to serve my country. That is a total mindset for people. And I think if you walk in with the mindset of what you want, you should be fine. Just don't take any, don't take one person's word for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, uh, I think it's true. And I think, you know, you're going to figure once you make that leap, I think you're going to, you're going to figure it out and kind of like navigate where you want to go and as much as you can. Um, and you're going to find the good in it. And, you know, there's always, there's always the downside in every situation. So you just have to accept it and try to make it count. <laughs> what you make of it. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, Allie, for, uh, for coming in and sharing, sharing your story. Of course. I've, thank you. I've, ne- I've never heard one like that. So it's uh, it's interest- interesting to hear. A lot of people complain about recruiters, like, oh, my recruiter lied to me kind of thing. Um, but yours, yours, there's actually some evidence behind it all. And um, the Air Force actually semi-acknowledged it. So um, it's interesting to hear that side of the story. It's a, it's a two-way street. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. Thanks, Allie. All right. Thank you.